0: How is it that your eyes are this heavy, but you can't manage to shut them? How long have you been laying in bed, staring at the same green digits, each minute ticking by slower than the one before? How many times has the sun risen only to dip into darkness? You need to sleep. God, you want to sleep. But something is crawling inside you now, an urge. Something ancient and primal. Something even our primitive ancestors fear. A rising anger. These scratches on your arm. Did you cause them? They're so deep. So red. A shade of red you can't get enough of. It's better when it's dark. The way the moon makes it shine. How long have you been laying in bed? How long has your wife been beside you, motionless? A familiar shade of red covered her. How long has it been since you last slept? Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week, we're talking about the viral creepypasta that surely caused a few sleepless nights. The Russian Sleep Experiment. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow. And hopefully... The more monsters we can explore, you can now find freaky folklore videos on YouTube as well. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion@gmail.com. That is c a r m a n c a r r i o n at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Mr. Cordell. I beg your pardon, Mr. Cordell. Shrill and commanding words were accompanied by a sudden loud bang, like a plank of wood dropping onto the cement. It was enough to wake Alan from his deep slumber. He lifted his head slowly, feeling as though his body was surfacing from underwater. If you looked close enough at his lips, it would appear that he had swallowed a great deal of that water too rosy slumber had pulled saliva in his mouth that was now dripping onto the wooden desk his arms rested on. Alan looked up at Mrs. Matthews, who peered back down at him incredulously. Would you perhaps like to be present in today's lesson, Mr. Cordell? This stuff will absolutely be on the test. He lifted his hand and dragged it against his lips, wiping the saliva onto the sleeve of his sweater. Yes, I'm sorry... "'I'll stay awake,' he replied. His words were raspy and shaken from exhaustion. He sat up as straight as he could to make a show of attentiveness. He could see the rest of the class staring at him and could feel his skin become flush, perks of embarrassment causing his cheeks to turn crimson. Missus Matthews nodded, half-heartedly acknowledging the student as she turned away and headed to the front of the class, Before she could even reach the chalkboard, Alan could feel the threat of slumber washing over him, poised to strike the moment he lowered his head. Though he did manage to stay awake for what remained of the class, his mind still wandered, daydreaming until his body would become heavy and cause him to stir in his sleep again. The final stirring occurred when the rest of the class shuffled their belongings and started filing out of the classroom. Alan sheepishly followed them, making certain not to make eye contact with the teacher. He worried she could tell he hadn't retained any information given to him. Alan walked through a dream. He could feel each step heavier than the last. He wanted to go to his dorm and sleep, but he had so much to study, for he was never going to be able to. As he let out a frustrated and exhausted groan, a finger tapped his shoulder. It took his brain a second to recognize this stimulant, and when he did, he turned to face Zachary, a student he hardly talked to, one with a reputation, and one who happened to be sitting right next to Alan in the class that he just left. Man, getting yelled at by a professor is difficult to accomplish. High school kind of vibe, you know? Zachary's words came out as lethargic as Alan felt. When you looked into Zach's eyes, it wasn't hard to see there wasn't much going on, and everyone knew why. Turns out if your father is generous enough, you can be balled out of your mind, and the faculty won't say boo. (sighs) She just cares. Alan took a heavy breath to ease the tightness in his lungs. What do you want, man? Normally not so crass. Alan longed for the comfort of the chair waiting for him in front of his desk. "'You look like you need a pick-me-up,' Zachary wore a smile, an awful devious one. "'It was just enough.' Alan hadn't touched drugs. Well, hardly. Some grass here and there. But he never caught on to it. So instead of mincing words, Alan responded with a blank stare, decorated with a raised eyebrow, waiting to hear his pitch. Zach didn't even check to see who was in earshot, so confident that no matter what, Bell would be waiting for him before he could even smell the iron bars he should be locked up behind. Okay, get this. I just got this new stuff. He dug deep into his stained gray hoodie, which was white at some point. His hand returned to open air, and Zach presented his palm. In his palm rested three translucent green pills. They looked like little emeralds resting on his skin. Alan felt almost enamored with the way the pills caught the light. He was reminded of window charms his grandmother had that would fracture the sun's lights into a rainbow in her kitchen. It'll keep you up. Get a good night's sleep and you'll never need to sleep again. People need to sleep, Zach. Even if that stuff works, we need to sleep. Alan's face scrunched up, mirroring the scrutiny his teacher had offered him mere moments ago. No, we don't. We needed sleep when we were like bears and stuff. This stuff is from Russia, dude. It works. Zach jostled his hands like he was offering a pile of Skittles to a friend. Just take one. What's the harm? Maybe he was curious. Maybe he was overly tired, but most likely, he just wanted a quick end to the interaction. Bears still exist, man. Alan mocked and reached out to grab the pills that had started sticking to Zach's shaky hand. Alan looked at the pills closer, admiring the green liquid inside. Did you say Russia? Like some MK Ultra testing crap? Not exactly. Zack said in a surprisingly earnest tone. Again, Alan raised an inquisitive eyebrow, though he failed to meet Zack's eyeline to display it. "'I don't know. I got a guy, and he gave it to me. Said it was made from some, like, Cold War-era crap, but they've been working on it ever since.' "'All right, yeah, I'll give it a go. If I don't get my grades up, I'm dead anyways.' Before Alan could raise his head to ask what he owed, expecting some outlandish monetary figure to be attached, Zach had already moved on to his next petal. For a moment, Alan forgot that they weren't friends. They hardly ever interacted. So he stuffed the loose pills into his pocket and made his way to his dorm. He was thankful that the week had ended. The stars aligned to such a manner that he had the next two days off from work and school, This would be enough time, he hoped, to finish his papers and cram for the upcoming test, something he desperately needed to pass. One of those tests that account for so much of your grade, that you wonder why you bothered showing up all year. Productivity had taken a back seat, though. As soon as his butt hit the chair, thoughts wandered, and eventually, the pills he had received became the focus. He was tempted to take them, but remembered he was instructed to get some rest first. Alan couldn't help but think, the more he looked at them, these are just effing Advil, aren't they? His naivety wrapped him like a warm blanket, and he let out a hearty laugh. Damn junkie. He continued, figuring that at least he got some free painkillers. Sitting on the couch, the burgundy burlap-like fabric underneath him. Alan felt his body getting heavy, his eyelids winning a war he was far too tired to fight. He watched over his cluttered dorm as his vision tunneled, and he was gracefully whisked into dreamland for some much-needed rest. You wouldn't be mocked for thinking that Alan had gone partying the night before, the way his limbs rolled off the couch one after the other. The groggy look in his eyes slowly winded his body to life, like trying to get a few extra minutes out of a dying battery. Soft golden glows slipped through the window and danced across the papers piled on the floor. He realized he hadn't set an alarm for himself, which meant he lost more of the day than he intended to. Was the sun rising or setting? More importantly, his head pounded, even though he almost thought he spent the night partying, without much thought, ahead, dense with fog, he reached for one of the pills Zach had given him and sucked it down. Thanks, buddy, he retorted to no one. There wasn't much time for recreation, his scornful look burning holes into the digital clock in the small kitchen. Half the day wasted. Fingers desperately tapped on plastic keys. Every time a word was misspelled or the page decided to format his text differently, he would feel a ping of anger in his gut. He would need to cram nearly a month's worth of work into two nights. How did he let it get this bad? He thought about the other students in their dorms. Were they careless? Did Zach peddle this crap all over the school? It was the thought of Zach that made Alan reconcile with the sour taste in his mouth. Every time he exhaled, it was like he had swallowed sulfur. His mind wandered dangerously, and soon another tab opened up. Russian Sleep Drugs, Cold War Research. He typed into the search bar. A few articles about the Cold War popped up and various other experiments the Russians had conducted during the era, until eventually, he came across an experiment mentioning the studies conducted to observe what happens when a human is inhibited from sleeping. What Alan read after clicking the article made him sit back in his chair, more sure than before that what he had taken was some over-the-counter painkiller. Russian sleep experiment. Give me a break. He joked, closing the page. Least the Advil worked, he noted out loud feeling the pulse in his head subside. He continued working, failing to heed the setting sun. Slowly the golden beams turned amber and then dissipated, leaving only the blue light from Alan's computer pressing against his face. Hours ticked by, and often he considered grabbing an energy drink or brewing coffee. Every time that thought came, he realized he didn't need them. Before he knew it, The beams of light were returning to their early stages. There was no sense of heaviness behind his eyes, no drool. Alan felt better than he did when he woke up. He even considered continuing to work as he was making notable progress, but decided at the very least a short nap was in order. This was a nap that would never occur. He lay in his bed, alternating between staring at the wall and holding his eyes closed. He was up all night. Why couldn't he drift off? Tossing and turning for hours, he started to realize when he tried to fall asleep, he would almost feel ill. A bubbling would stir in his stomach and make his chest tighten up. This sensation grew until he opened his eyes and it would disappear completely. Placebo effect? Alan thought though the placebo effect typically only applies when the patient believes the drug is working, whereas Alan had dismissed it entirely. Sure enough, as Alan worked through another cycle of a rising and setting sun, he didn't feel any sense of drowsiness take hold of him. It was almost unnerving. It felt unnatural. An itch he couldn't scratch. An itch he couldn't feel. He just knew it was supposed to be there. The pill was working. He didn't feel sick, only when he tried to sleep, so he just wouldn't try. He believed one more couldn't hurt, and down a second pill. Another solid night's work brought the morning sun knocking at his windows. Still, he felt great, better than he had in a long time. It was like the pill took a snapshot of his most well-rested state and refused to let the real roll further. No headaches, no sore limbs. It felt too good to be true. For once, he felt excited to go to school. To turn in papers, he probably wouldn't receive any standing ovations, but a passing grade had to be in his future. When returning to school, it was clear that the drug was making its rounds. Halls that were once infested with zombies, now chirped with life. You could almost feel the electricity between those who had taken it. Liquid metal reaching out to a magnet. Behind their eyes wasn't a lack of sleep. It was the absence of need for it. Alan would need to wait for a while to hear how his schoolwork panned out. It didn't matter, though. The more he thought about it, the more doors opened up for his future. He could perfect crafts, learn anything, and work jobs tirelessly. And so, he met with Zach again. More drugs landed in his palm, and more nights went by without incident. He had alarms set, not as a safety net, but as a way to remind him that another day had gone by. Day after day, the alarm went off. Day after day, Alan sat with the same bright faces, More and more, succumbing to the allure of the drug. Parties raged, and even teachers seemed to partake. Notable energy wafted through the school. That's not to say Alan wasn't prone to zoning out still. He sat and watched one of the students to the side of him, as they scratched their faces. Alan's gaze scrunching while observing the red mark on the student's face getting darker and darker. Alan sat up straight. The student's pressure increased, and small strips of skin seemed to start giving way, like a box cutter pulling down on plastic wrap. Hey! Alan whispered. The student stared ahead, failing to hear Alan's words. It wasn't until the student's fingers pressed hard enough into their pale cheek to spill a thin vein of red down their finger that Alan's heart started to race. It took him a minute to speak up again. Say something. He commanded in his head, but words caught in his throat. He was mesmerized by the red, wanting to see how far the student would go. Finger pressing harder and harder, beads of red wax dropping to their desk. Then Alan saw white, and it was enough. Claire! Claire! He screamed, and the woman jumped in her seat, pressing her palm to the side of her face to cover the wound. She stared intensely at Alan. It wasn't like she didn't know what she was doing. It looked more like she got caught picking a booger. Her face was red with embarrassment and her smeared blood. Alan felt it in his chest, watching her get up and leave, and he wasn't the only one. As she left... In his peripheral, he could see other students in the room watching her, some of them glaring at the red spots on the desk, markings of her carnage, a dinner bell spelled out in blood. Maybe other incidents occurred in other parts of the school, but in Alan's classroom, that short display of depravity was like a dam breaking. If it weren't for the teacher ushering everyone out, Alan thought they might all pounce on the specter. Quickly pushing his way through the doors, Alan felt sick, or was he hungry? Impulsive thoughts started to bleed into his thoughts. Flashes of red running down Claire's hands were almost arousing. What is wrong with me? He protested. As he made his way to what was supposed to be his next class, He could hear a rousing in the halls. Students shout with intermittent sounds of something being hit over and over. He hadn't seen something like this since early high school. Turning the corner, students were bunched together, hooting and hollering. And in brief breaks between the students, like parting trees, he could see the object of their cheers. Two students in the middle, swinging a fist at each other like animals. They were like cavemen, desperately trying to fight off a tiger, clawing and beating on each other's skin. Alan stepped forward, wanting a better look, but somehow finding the restraining to turn away. Next class would have to wait. He couldn't be near this many people. He needed to return to his dorm. The electric pricks were everywhere, like another sense kicking in. The feeling of being predator and prey all mixed into one thunderbolt beneath his itching fingers. Alan's hand landed on the long iron handle of the mahogany door leading out of the school. He pressed down and heard a click. Under the pressure of his arms, the bar refused to depress. He tried again bringing the door up and pressing it down. Quickly, nearly running through the student body, he made his way from one door to the next trying each handle, even the emergency doors, all yielding the same result. With all the noise unfolding behind him, students shouting, clattering, and smashing, the world felt like it was closing in around him. Tunnel vision blinded all other thoughts until he could only focus on one truth. He was locked in
1: With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: These days, horror junkies can get their fix just about anywhere. While movies and TV shows present viewers with plenty, and many big-name authors were finding success in bookstores, it wasn't easy for those just starting to get their stories read, no matter how good of an idea they had. There just wasn't the audience there is today. Back in 2010, when the user, Orange Soda, posted a story titled, Russian Sleep Experiment, people were still figuring out how to get their ghoulish tales and short horror stories out to the masses. It's easy to ponder on all the great tales out on the wild web that have never made it further than a few curious eyeballs. Luckily, the Russian sleep experiment is anything but a what-if post. Every so often, a story would captivate the imagination of readers and spread by word of mouth and link-sharing. Fears of a tall, slender figure lurking in the forest or a beloved mascot removing its iconic head. These stories were released at a time when it wasn't always easy to track down the original posting. Meaning that even if the tale was outlandish and horrific, there would be a small part of your brain that would ponder on the possible legitimacy. A creepypasta so widespread and popularized that it has had several adaptations and references throughout media whether they be novels, plays, or short films. The Russian sleep experiment, I believe, had the cultural success it did owing to the very subject of its story. Sleep is something that everyone does nearly every day. Everyone knows the recommended eight hours. But even so, as studies delve deeper into our relationship with sleep, how much we need and when we need it can alter. Sleep is a sacred place, but a fragile one. Slipping off into slumber is supposed to feel safe and comfortable. Yet several things can easily warp that safety, and the Russian sleep experiment gets its claws into that safe space, threatening to rip away. It might seem outlandish when you first come across the story. A group of test subjects descends into madness when subjected to a gas that inhibits their ability to sleep. Surely, nothing so monstrous could be waiting for us should we fail to sleep. But have you ever had to suddenly pull an all-nighter? Or haven't been able to sleep before an important day? You can almost feel your edge starting to pull taut. Loud noises and bright lights are just a little more irritating people's voices and the words they speak to you fall like little pinpricks your mood after missing just one day of sleep is negatively altered what would happen should you miss another day or a week those bright lights and sharp noises would surely drive you mad it's the ambiguity the unknowing nature Even the story itself plays fast and loose with the details it submits. Its point of view rests outside the test chamber, and we are instead given small glimpses into what is happening inside the chamber. This allows the reader's mind to run wild with the possibilities. We imagine dreadful things when reading the story. Using the very same mind would have to imagine deprived of sleep. Even if you never read the story, You'd surely be aware of all the different hiccups concerning sleep that the body and mind can create. Sleep paralysis, in particular, is a horrible miscommunication between body and mind. Despite the victim being awake and aware, the mind still believes they're in a dream, still releasing paralyzing chemicals to stop the victim from moving, all the while conjuring terrifying images of figures in the room and pressures on your bed. This is such a common occurrence that many cultures have their folklore relating to this phenomenon. Such as the old hag, a witch that will sit on your chest and wait for you to wake, or an entity that is known as the hat man, a figure many have reported seeing during sleep paralysis, a tall looming shadow sporting a hat that watches you from within your room. Some people are afflicted with sleepwalking, Where the body fails to release those paralyzing chemicals. Those who sleepwalk will rise from bed and enact their dreams during the night, exhibiting all sorts of odd behaviors. Then there's the act of dreaming itself. Our minds conjure mental images and sounds. Fragments of places we've been and people we've seen all mesh together. Laws of time, space, and physics break down in our dream worlds. Dreams can be pleasant, sure, but the nightmares? Horrible visions plague your resting mind? How is it that your mind can subconsciously conjure up such horrible imagery? It can feel like some kind of evil mastermind trying to put together a show with the sole intention of scaring you to death. And tests similar to the one mentioned in the story have been performed in the past. Ironically, one of the first took place in Russia. In 1894, Marie de Menessin studied the effects of long-term sleep deprivation in a control group of puppies. She reported that the constant denial of sleep proved fatal in just a few days, citing the lesions that occurred on their brains. Just four years later, a group of Italian physiologists Lamberto Dadi and Giulio Tarazzi performed a similar studying, walking dogs to ensure they would stay awake again. Again, the dogs seemed to last anywhere from two to three weeks before passing away, citing that insomnia was causing auto-intoxication that would slowly kill off cells in various parts of the canine brains. Another reason the story resonates is that the idea of tests like these taking place in the first place isn't that far-fetched. And often the goals of these tests and programs offer a much more grim reality that brings humans closer to evil than this piece of fiction. For example, in 1921, the Poison Laboratory of the Soviet Secret Services was established. It was a building where Soviet scientists would use incarcerated people as test subjects. As the name of the facility implies, The prisoners were subject to a variety of poisons in a variety of forms. The goal was to ultimately find a poison that couldn't be detected or traced after the victim's passing. The results of this testing would be used in attempts to assassinate many notable victims. Even down to our home turf, stories of MK Ultra and the variety of strange and terrible experiments surface. The CIA headed the illegal operation in attempts to discover drugs and methods that would wear down an individual's psyche. They would do all this to find a way to make interrogations a breeze and further develop the methods to eventually maximize brainwashing. Often these tests were conducted without the patient's consent or even knowledge that it would happen at all researchers would receive grants from the cia to perform studies without ever being told what the intention would be behind the results of these studies there were over 150 research projects funded by the cia all files of which were lost in 1973 when the director of the cia richard helms destroyed them who knows what could have been lurking in all those projects but surely If the intention was to wear down a person's mental fortitude as a means to manipulate them, then it's not a stretch to assume MKUltra would have looked into how sleep affects a person's perception and how the lack of sleep can make people more susceptible to suggestion. And these are just the ones we caught a short glimpse into. With so many closed doors before us, groups working within shells, laboratories closed off to the public. For all the research available to us, how much is there out there that we'll never hear a peep from? Is there a possibility that somewhere out there is a group of patients sitting in a room wanting nothing more than a few good minutes of sleep, plucked off the streets and tossed into madness? That's what I believe the story preys on. The small possibility is that while maybe the Russian sleep experiment isn't real, That something like it, or possibly something much worse, is waiting in the wings. That somewhere, tucked away in some government building, is a folder, stapled together papers detailing the effects that weeks without sleep has on the human consciousness. And why do we need sleep so badly? Alan's hands gripped the door tighter and tighter. A few students came to his aid. He wasn't the only one putting two and two together. Some students surely hadn't indulged in the drug, and some who must be lucid enough still. Giving up, Alan quickly looked through the small reinforced glass window on the emergency exit. Outside, he saw figures walking around. They were hard to make out and all their faces were obscured by what looked like riot masks. Sleek, dark body armor created a consistent shade of the figures. They just looked like shadows that leapt up from the ground. One thing was for certain, they were armed. Each and every one of them. Backing away from the door, Alan's breathing lost its rhythm, giving way to an intense panic one that caused his vision to blur and shape its focus over and over, almost in time with his breathing. How long had he been awake? What was his last dream like? All he could seem to recall is the story he had read, the heinous things that were plastered all over the page, awful things. Every gory detail made his skin crawl as he paced through the school. He kept telling himself that the thoughts made him sick, though the thoughts never left. Catching his teeth starting to bite down on his lips, he was sucked into a grisly truth. They were exciting him. They probably would have days ago, but there needed to be an inciting incident. Like a jar of garlic, it doesn't smell like anything until the seal is broken and the stench spills out lingering in your kitchen for hours. The whole school was coming to terms with this truth. Those who had taken the drugs and those who hadn't. Some were trying to escape, but anyone who knew the building well enough knew that the school used to be a bomb shelter. In case there was an attack on their soil, people could retreat there to hide from war-soaked blasts. This meant windows were all thick and resistant to breaking. No matter how many fists or chairs slammed against them. Even the guns the figures outside had wouldn't punch through. And all the doors were likely blocked from the outside. Not like it would matter, the presence of guns indicated that they'd be willing to use them. The school itself was also off the beaten path. If you needed somewhere to lock unsuspecting test subjects in, it was a damn good choice. The more Alan dwelled in his head, the further and further he sank into it, a murky infinite depth. His eyes twitched from left to right. It scared him how little he seemed to register the increasing madness, how he initially failed to notice a long and bold streak of red along the wall, one he was subconsciously following. Something inside him displayed an innate desire to witness the finality of the trial. All its glory splayed out in front of him. Wonderful darkness. Claire lay on the floor, hands still lifted to the side of her face, though now her cheek looked as if it had been picked clean by ravenous crows. She felt Alan's gaze and turned to him slowly. Half of her face looked like it had been dipped in paint. She was nearly unrecognizable in her condition. I had to get the teeth out, she whispered slowly. See? She held out an arm and opened her palm. Small white beads were visible under a glossy red mess. How was she still conscious? Did the medication make it so you couldn't even pass out? Forced to live with whatever afflicted you? Even pain would fail to bring peace of mind. Worse still. The intrusive thoughts became all too encompassing, nearly irresistible. Before Alan's body acted on its own, he started to back away. He wanted so badly to feel the texture on her cheek. To pull at what strands of connecting tissue remained like string cheese. These thoughts were powerful. They came from somewhere deep and primal. He turned leaving Claire to whatever fate may fall her. He started to wonder how long the pills would last. Rushing through an increasingly violent crowd, vulgar language and signs of violence surrounded him. It was as if a riot had broken out and all the aggression was stuck inside the school. Somehow Alan managed to squeeze into the bathroom where the stench of democracy hit his nose like a brick. People had clearly understood that the bathroom was a place to relieve themselves, but paid no mind to where they did so inside the bathroom. It was repulsive, the mixing of the worst colors all over the floor. The tiles were stained with feces. Alan could hear from one of the stalls a consistent smacking sound, one he recognized from a few too many late nights alone. He hated that none of it bothered him that it was almost inviting to him now, like he, too, belonged in the environment. And when looking in the mirror, he had to come to terms with the smile plastered on his face, an unflinching grin of ecstasy. The intent was to wash his face and run some cold water over his skin to try and rid himself of such evil. Before he knew it, though, his hand lifted, and another pill slipped down his throat. He didn't want to sleep. He didn't need to. Stepping back, perhaps for a moment, Alan saw himself as he was, and the smile waned briefly, but a shift nonetheless. He saw himself as a child, running around his mother's front yard. He had chased around their dog, Casey, all day, When he thought about the dog, his fist clenched up, and he could see his younger self wrapping his small hands around the dog's throat. What was a gentle hug back there made him think violent things. He saw himself on his first date. It didn't go well, but he was proud of himself for putting himself out there. He could remember himself walking her down the street at night. Both of them were alone as he followed her into the alley, he was just making sure she got home safe. But every memory became tainted by the darkness bubbling. Everything refrained in a way to display all of Alan's darkest impulses. A fist collided hard with the mirror in front of him. spiderweb fractures etched into the reflection shattering the view. A small drip of red was left behind, his knuckle split open by the fractured glass, Again, the same fist pressed against the reflection. More red, a wider wound. Why? Alan asked himself, bringing the fist forward over and over, watching his vision of reality crumble. Why does this feel so good? He didn't want to stop, not until every bit of glass had dropped. Some students must have heard the noise. They rushed in and picked up some of the shards that had dropped and brandished them like weapons, swinging at each other like they were playing with sticks they found on the ground. Alan couldn't see himself anymore. The wall was blank, empty. Looking briefly at his hand, the mangled mess that remained looked like a spoiled hamburger. Small shards of glass stuck inside enough to bounce the light from overhead around his hand like a kaleidoscope he wanted to see it all take it all in so he left the bathroom and stood in the hall people were lying on the floor it looked like people had opened cans of paint and started haphazardly dumping gallons down the walls and on the floor that wasn't the case everyone who took those pills had all their inhibitors dumped away. Sleep allowed our minds to remain in control. Without it, all the things that make us humans slowly grate away. Even after one day of not sleeping, you'll feel it. You'll be short with those around you and easily frustrated. After about two weeks, everything that held those evil things in your head at bay was gone, and they weren't coming back. Every memory Alan tried to escape became horrific reflections of the past, showcasing monstrous acts he had never committed. Horrible, horrible things. He was screaming. He couldn't stop the yell that poured out like bright red magma. Evil, evil, evil. That's all it was. Students tore into each other, ripping flesh apart like it was just rubber. Some indulged in tasting the flesh, no matter how destroyed or viscous it had become. He saw a figure, easily recognized by the stained gray hoodie. It rushed through the crowd with its head ducked down. Evil, evil, evil. Alan followed the figure, limbs pulled like a puppet. He felt both the lack of control and more in control than ever, manipulating himself while having an out-of-body experience. His eyes were focused, still more mobile than most of the people around him, though by just sheer luck. Others were screaming. The sounds bounced around the halls of the school, creating a chorus for the madness. A beautiful and haunting hum of vocal cords twisting into chaotic harmony He watched Zach moving through the crowd with ease. He could feel it, the lack of electricity coming off Zach. The piece of garbage didn't take the medication he peddled out to his peers. Though he was strung out on something, he had to have been, to not be able to notice that someone was following him. With everything happening, it was amazing to Alan that Zach was the worst of them all, all without taking a single dose. They went to the boiler room together. It was fairly empty, though some students had found their way in. They pressed their bodies to the hot pipes until steam rose and grafted them to the metal like a twisted art piece. Luckily they paid no mind to Alan and Zach. Alan knew where they were going, an exit he hadn't thought to try earlier. Reaching into his pocket, Alan pulled out a little green pill. Zack, too, retrieved an object from his pocket, a key, one he nervously shuffled with. Jittering hands placed the key into a large padlock holding together a chain sealing a small metal access door. Alan watched as he fiddled, feeling the smile growing on his face again, preparing his final act as a human. The junkie finally undid the lock and released the door's constraints. Alan remembered saying he had a guy. Someone who dealt him the drugs. Someone he made a deal with. To test the students in exchange for safe passage out of the school. It's why he didn't ask for money. He had to get as many of them hooked as he could. Watching Zach press the door open, Alan felt the sun on his face. It was so warm and inviting. A few days earlier, the sensation might have been enough to convince him to stop dozing. But now it was too late. Zach climbed out and started to scurry. Alan reached out and grabbed his ankle, pulling him to the ground. Alan saw the armed guard raise their guns his way. Black, threatening cylinders. Alan thought of all the fun he could have if he got his hands on one of those. No time for daydreaming, though. Zack fought back, begging the guards to finish off Alan. They didn't, though. They just watched as Alan crawled up Zack, digging into the dirt like he was a freshly risen zombie. Zack swung and hit Alan, scratched at him, bit and dug into his eyes to try and stop the advance. All of it only excited Alan more, fueling his rage. His vision blotted out as Zach's fingers plunged into his eye sockets. Filling the liquid running down his cheek, heated by the sun, it was too late. Clasping his open palm over Zach's screeching maw, Alan dropped the remaining pills into his mouth. A few swift punches to the gut were all it took to make Zach swallow the medication. He started crying when Alan released his grip. He liked the sound quite a bit, like chirping birds to him. Standing up, he allowed himself to feel the sun on his skin, the heat pressing against the sticky liquids that covered him. When he heard the men with guns shouting, he reveled in what was to follow. The first few bullets that entered his chest felt better than anything, nerves firing off sensations of joy. He wished it would never end. And for a moment, the bullet that landed in his forehead could have been a god. Just then, consciousness faded, retreating to the horrible place it crawled out of. Alan realized he never did find out what his final grade was. Damn shame that was. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts. Such as unexplained encounters, tales from the break room, and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion@gmail.com. That is c a r m a n c a r r i o n at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Until next time. Stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.